Hey everyone, this is Anthony Grant, and I want to introduce you all to this podcast. It's called Superstar PR, and it's all about entertainment insider chats with Nikki, the founder of the PR agency, Nikki Inc. This podcast chats with some serious entertainers and media insiders, always choosing people who are making a difference in the entertainment world and who have cool stories to share. Happy listening. Hi guys, my name is Nikki Papayuanu and this is Superstar PR. I'm CEO and founder of a Toronto boutique PR agency, Nikki Inc. And uh, wow, do I have a guest for you today. She is a fantastic journalist, communicator and storyteller who currently works as the editor-in-chief for Metroland Media Toronto. She has an inquisitive mind, the best explanation for any opinion she holds, and she is someone you want to have coffee with anytime. And guys, it brings me so much joy to welcome Georgia Balogianis. Georgia, how are you? Hey, good morning, Nikki. I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's, you know, it's our, the journey is ours and we're excited to have our listeners hear more about you because, wow, you have, you have some great stories. <laughs> So, Georgia, what led you to this career, and did you always see yourself here? Hmm. What led me to this career? It's twofold, part curiosity and part eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Um, I was 18. I was in high school. I had a curiosity about stories and people and wanting to know how things tick and sharing information with people. And at that time, uh, outside of acting, which was, uh, I think, my first love and my first desire as a career to perform, I chose journalism. Yeah, I chose journalism. Wow, acting. Do you know that we have an acting studio uh, right right beside our office here today doing a <laughs> casting call? I don't know. I, hmm. I feel like I should tell you that. <laughs> Serendipitous, isn't it? <laughs> totally. Uh, Georgia, now there has to be a misconception about what you do, and we have a we have an idea of how busy you are. But what can you tell us that no one seems to understand about your day to day job? So the day to day job of of an editor in chief is going to be different than the day to day job of a reporter in the field, right? So as journalists, I mean, our number one priority every day is to make sure that we're right, make sure that we're accurate and transparent and are doing our job because we work for you. We work for the people. We don't work for ourselves. So there's nothing self-serving um, about us, for us rather, other than wanting to tell um, quality stories that affect people. You know, when you stay up late at night thinking, how is this going to affect me? We want to be able to answer that question. So for me as editor-in-chief, it's it's all strategy, it's high level, it's planning, it's making sure all the troops are where they need to be, it's giving them the proper encouragement and the praise when they need it, coaching, coaching, coaching. Um, and there's a lot of different expectations when you when you enter leadership, especially in the news industry. Well, you know, I guess with what you just kind of laid out as, you know, you do a lot, Georgia, and my question for you is, how do you juggle all of that? And how do you still keep a love for journalism? I think I'm one of the luckiest people in the world who has one of the coolest jobs. You know, being a journalist isn't nine to five. It's not you know, a very cookie cutter kind of job. There are late nights, you work weekends, and then you can have that morning off, right, to find that balance. And I think the beauty of this industry and what we do is that every day is different. So I approach 
I look at my entire week, you know, from an organizational point of view, and then I leave room to adapt every single day because news happens. And when news happens, you have to be agile and you have to be ready to move and ready to adapt um, on a dime. And that has been my entire career. Are you agile? Wow, agile. It's almost like, are you resilient? How do you manage a story you're not sure about? Like, is there self-doubt in your job? And do you have those moments where you have to make a big decision? And how do you make it? You know what the beauty of that is, um, you build your team. I have an excellent team. I have amazing leadership above me. I have amazing team below me. There's my managing editor who we bounce ideas off of each other all the time. Um, the beauty of the communication <laughs> business is that we do communicate with one another. <laughs> and we, we, you know, sometimes you, you have a story idea and you think, okay, wait, I saw this. Can this be something I'm thinking here and there, but it's got to be more who can help me work this out. And you literally just go right, you know, take pen to paper and start fleshing out what that ideal will look like. Wow. And why will my readers care? I need to answer that question. Why will my readers care? That's a great point you just mentioned, um, because yeah. something we talk a lot about with my clients is you guys care about something and it doesn't mean it's not important, but it's not always what journalists will care about because timing is everything. Yeah. Timing is everything. Uh, I think we need to frame it to what's happening in the world. I think uh, we get a lot of pitches. Uh, I get a lot of pitches. So does my team. And if these people who are pitching don't know what type of content we produce, there's always going to be a disconnect. So my number one advice to people pitching media is know who you're pitching to, right? Ooh, yes. Know who you're pitching to. Do your research. Do your research. Absolutely. You know what? That was probably the first lesson I ever learned. It's, it's humbling, but it's it's good. Thank you for sharing that with us. And Georgia, if you were starting all over again and knowing what you know now, what would you give yourself as a young journalist? Wow. Some words, coaching words you'd give yourself looking oh. back. <laughs> coaching words. I'm trying to think of all the things that I say to the young people that I coach now and, and even the veterans in the newsroom. You know, I just... Don't lose your curiosity. Don't get caught up in in all the noise. We're journalists because we we have a curious nature, right? There's no fame here. <laughs> We're producing a service. I feel like very much it's a public service, and that you know we work for the people, right? Uh, so don't lose your curiosity and uh, try to always maintain a love for the job. And if none of that is working for you, fake it till you make it, and then decide if this is the path for you. It's not the path for everyone. When I entered Centennial College, because I just have a three-year diploma in journalism from Centennial, I was 18. I came right out of high school. So I went high school, I did five years and four years, and then I went straight to college. So I was a little sheltered, you know, a little naive. So that three-year program really did help me get out of my shell. And I learned about being a journalist. And I, I was able to delve in in, inside myself as to why I wanted to to be a journalist while I was in school. And in the end, when, when I started, I think in my three-year program, I want to say there were about 55 or 60 people who were accepted that first year. My graduating class was less than seven. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And we didn't really prepare you for this question, but I want to ask you, Georgia, is there a story you're most proud of that you've worked on? One that kind of stands out to you and still pulls at your heart? 
I wouldn't say that there's any one story. I've had so many different careers in this industry. There's my print background. I started in print. My education is in print. Then I went to television. And then from television, I went to radio. And, you know, I was at 680 News for seven years. And while I was there, I went back to, <laughs> to television or I went back to print. So kind of like my career's been a lot of intertwining. So I'm just trying to think now off the top of my head what one story, because I have this thing where once I'm done with it, you're done. I'm done. I don't even, I'm trying to think about the experience. You know what? I wouldn't even say it's a story, but it was an experience I had as a journalist working for a documentary called Rites of Passage. And it was about seven or eight years ago. I was a production assistant on that, but seeing how documentarians start from step one to step 100, right? Seeing the entire journey and what it takes to put that together and nurture the sources and gain their trust and, 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 and have them come on side and, and nurturing that relationship. So to me, that was just an excellent, excellent experience. And I'll never forget it. It came to me very divinely. And I'm very fortunate for that experience. Wow. Um, you just made a really good point about how in a documentary you have to nurture relationships because something I tell a lot of my clients is I don't have a relationship with a reporter that I don't understand. Mm -hmm. um, the only reporters I can actually work with are ones who I like and I see integrity in them. And I don't pitch the whole world ever, <laughs> but it's because I want to nurture things mm -hmm. and make sure that we are all on the same page about why we tell a story. And that's kind of, it's a really good point you made about a documentary because I've heard that a documentary takes so much longer than a regular film mm -hmm. because the research, I mean, do, how long did that total project take? Do you know? Do you remember? I was only part of it for two months, but it was 11 episodes of rites of passage. So it was the rites of passage of birth, the rite of passage of dying, the rite of passage of marriage. And uh, the program that I worked on was the rite of passage of coming out of the closet. So here I am, uh, <laughs> you know, downtown with, with all the floats and gay pride, you know, getting ready for Pride Parade. I, I have two backpacks full of gear, one on my back, one on my front. It starts raining. I have this huge umbrella <laughs> to protect the, the cameraman and we're running up and down the floats because we have this permission to do it. And, uh, me trying to get people on the float to agree to speak to me later. <laughs> I need your number. I mean, you, you don't worry about how silly you look doing that. All you're thinking about is I need the source for the story because that's going to, to influence or, 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 or support someone, um, or enhance someone else's life once it's complete. So you see things in your sources. There's so many amazing stories that we've done that I've helped produce and I've helped edit. Um, there's just too many to count, but I think in the end, what I always hold close to myself is if we have a good response, if we've been able to affect change some way in society through our work, then um, we're doing what we set out to do. Well, you just gave us such a great visual of you running in the pride parade <laughs> with an umbrella on. Oh, wow, Georgia. It's funny. Um, my background is marketing and I've had a few situations where I had a van sink in the mud and I thought I was the only one who got stuck in a rainy situation with a sinking van, but this is good. <laughs> Thank you. And, you know, I guess because you've achieved so much, um, the question I'd love to ask you is, do you have any regrets and is there anything, an opportunity that maybe you didn't take and in hindsight, you're like, I would have, I could have, and I wanted it. 
there are always regrets. And if people say you don't have them or they don't have them, I call liar. All right. <laughs> I think with regret, what helps anyone deal with regret and understand those emotions that are associated with regret um, only comes from reframing that experience. Because if you just focus on the regret, it's self-shaming, right? Oh. I, oh, and it's self-flagellation. You just, you're hard on yourself. You're just not nice to yourself when you have such deep regret. So you have to try to reframe it. You have to acknowledge that it wasn't a good experience. You have to acknowledge that you wish you had did something differently, but you can't change that. What can I do now with this now learned experience. So if it was, I didn't ask the right questions, hypothetically, or I got nervous and shy and tripped over my words. I mean, this happens to everyone, no matter where you are in your career, because you're a human being, right? Yes. Um, so then you say, okay, well, the next time I'm having this experience, I'm going to think about, I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to prepare ahead of time. I'm going to have these questions. I'm going to maybe do some role playing at home. I'm going to call my, you know, genius marketer, publicity friend, you know, Nikki, and, <laughs> and, and bounce some ideas off of her. So then you learn. Well, it's a really good point you made about reframing because we have a coach that is going to be interviewed by us very soon. And she's all about uh, zero shame, zero pain, because yeah. if you could reframe something, you just see lessons. That's yeah. it. And lessons yeah. prepare us because we are always learning. But that's not a common way of thinking. It almost seems now it is with, you know, Instagram and you see all these positive messages and quotes and it's on everyone's feed and everyone's a guru of some kind. But it's this is a learned behavior that it's lifelong learning. Ah, oh, this is so true. Uh, Georgia, what do you still want to achieve? Because I feel like you have a cape that you're hiding. You've achieved so much. <laughs> yeah, um, there's so many things. I don't ever see myself stopping working ever. I mean, I, I have an idea, you know, for a book, I have an idea for a documentary. I have a passion project, which is, uh, my Instagram account called it starts with hello. I'm on a little bit of a hiatus on that. Um, but I'm building the strategy around what that can be. Um, so there's always, I love video editing. I really do love seeing all the raw pieces and bringing it together with your vision. There's just so many different things and it's all about creativity, communication and connection because relationships, no matter what type of work you do, the relationship is everything. Huh, this is so true. Um, the relationships, because, you know, I'm one of those weird PR people who can't have them with everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I just have to have them with people that I understand. And, you know, I wanted to ask you, Georgia, because you're somebody who's you know, career I really admire. Who do you admire most in your industry? And do you have somebody you slightly idolize? And does it make a difference that you can admire somebody? Does it make a difference that I can admire someone? Well, not so much does it make a difference, but has it driven you? Like, you know, sometimes I joke that I really admire Oprah, but I'm nothing like Oprah. I just love her. <laughs> it's so funny that you say Oprah, because I was thinking Oprah, and I'll tell you why. Um, Oprah has an incredible ability to make people feel at ease and draw with their story. And she does it in such a humane, encouraging and loving way. For me, that is always how I wanted to tell stories and how I hope I am telling stories. Very authentic, very grassroots, very communal. Um, so Oprah, <laughs> Oprah is a, is a, such a force. Yes. Oh, we love you, Miss Winfrey. If you ever listen to this, we just, we, yes. Find us. Yes. Find us, Oprah. We want to give you a hug. We want to hang out. <laughs> we'll take you for lunch, Oprah. I promise. Me and Georgia. 
So Georgia, um, where can we find you? I mean, because I, I think our audience really needs to follow you on the platforms you f- you are communicating really well on personally. Um, is it Twitter, Instagram, Facebook? Those are the couple of two places. I mean, I mentioned my uh, Instagram account. It starts with hello. But Toronto.com, I can't forget um, uh, how important that is. So I'm the editor-in-chief of Metroland Media Toronto, which publishes Toronto.com. Um, and again, depending on where you live in the city of Toronto, we publish, you know, community newspapers as well. So you might get the Mirror, the Guardian, or the Villager. We have, you know, 17... Uh, journalists who work in my newsroom producing amazing content. So yeah, absolutely. Twitter and Facebook, go to Toronto.com. Instagram, that's Toronto, D-O-T-C-O-M. Our website is just Toronto.com. And uh, if you want to know what's happening in your community, you want to connect with people who are doing amazing things in this fantastic city of Toronto, that's where you're going to find all that information. And I have to say, because I have to give a shout out, I don't know where this is going to when this is going to appear, but I'm really excited that my team um, garnered eight nominations for the Ontario Community Newspaper Association Awards Ooh. and one honorable mention. So on April 5th, we will soon find out if Toronto.com team is going to come home with some hardware, which I'm so super thrilled about. Oh, wow, guys, inc- that's pretty exciting. It April pretty 5th. Exciting. Well, Georgia, we might have to interview you to find out how many medals you guys took <laughs> and the home. Winner is. <laughs> and Georgia's team will win because we, we love your content. So we want to thank you so much for joining us today. And may you continue to shine because Superstar PR really needs people like you to talk to us. And you've got great stories, Georgia. Keep shining. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to Superstar PR. New episodes are available every other Friday. And you know what, guys? We would love your feedback. So please rate and review and subscribe if you feel like it because Superstar PR is here for you. Thanks so much for listening.